We're going to start a new series, and really uh, part of where this series kind of came from, as you'll notice on the screen, is a thing called Be Real. How many of you are on Be Real as like a social media app? All right, some of you are on Be Real. Be Real is this new social media app that came out, I don't know, a year and a half ago. Is that about right? A year and a half ago. And here's what I like about Be Real, because a lot of social media is fake. A lot of social media is like, you went on a really cool vacation and you are going to post the top 10 pictures with a cool caption, a couple hashtags and see like how many hundreds of likes you can get. That's Instagram. Some social media is like, there's like a trending dance that you're going to do. And so you like video yourself doing some silly dance and see how many millions of views you can get. That's what TikTok, right? Be real. This is where I like be real as a social media app. Once a day, you get a notification on your phone and it says it's time to, yeah, say it. It's time to be real, right? And so whatever you're doing in that moment, right? Catherine posts to be real every day. Catherine, where are you normally at when you post to be real? At her desk at work, right? Are you, is your employer here? Are they going to know that you're on your phone all day? No, I'm just kidding. It's okay. I usually take mine while I'm at work too. And my employer is here. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's whatever you're doing right then. If you're in school, unfortunately, you'll have to post your be real late. But it's just whatever you're doing in that moment. And it's this opportunity on social media to not have this like fake, altered, filtered kind of reality that everybody thinks is you. And instead, it's an opportunity to say, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. I am sitting at a desk working on my schoolwork. I am eating Chick-fil-A, whatever it is that you're doing. And sometimes it goes off at the most perfect moment. A couple of times it's gone off here at youth group. It actually just went off, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, whenever you guys were all hanging out and I took it in the parking lot. Like uh, there's a lot of times that it's really cool. And other times it's very bland because life is not always full of these glamorous moments. Am I right? Do you guys agree with that? Or is life always like glamorous, amazingly beautiful for you guys all the time? Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes it's been a hard day. Sometimes it's been difficult. And for be real, it's like, if you're going to be real, just whatever you're doing in that moment. And so when you think about that concept as a society, do you think people your age, middle schoolers, are good at being real? How many of you would give me a thumbs up if you think middle schoolers are good at being real? How many of you would give me a thumbs down and say middle school is actually pretty bad at being real? Yeah, we like to hide. We like to kind of put out uh, this, this kind of facade of who we want people to think that we are. We want to kind of show people this. And I want us for the next few weeks to talk about what it means for us to be real with God, what it means for us to be real with one another, and what it means for us to be real with ourselves, okay? So we're going to kind of talk through those three things over the next few weeks, because I think they have a lot of implications for us. And being real means that we are going to be authentic. Authentic means we're just going to be who we are. Tommy, put your phone away. It means that we're going to be who we are as a person. We're not going to be fake to ourselves. We're going to say, authentically, this is who I am. We're going to be vulnerable. I would encourage you to be vulnerable with a few people in your life to let them uh, see the parts of you uh, that you hide, the things that you're like, I don't want to talk about that issue in my life. I don't want to talk about that thing that's going on in my life. To use your small group leader or a parent to be able to share some of those things with, to be more vulnerable and to be genuine, that you're not going to hide yourself from other people. Listen, if you have your phone out right now, maybe you're taking your B-roll, but put it away. You can take it later, all right? If I see your phone, I'm going to walk over to it. I'm going to take it, okay? 
and I'm going to put it in my pocket, and then I will take your B-reel and then throw your phone in the trash. Okay, so don't have your phone out. I might sell it. I'm pretty broke right now, and so I could sell your phone, and that would make me some money. But we want to be authentic. We want to be vulnerable. We want to be people who are genuine around other people, that we're not hiding who we really are. Do you think those are important issues for you? Do you like it when people are fake? Anybody in here just like a fake person? Does anybody in here like being fake? All right, a little bit. Do you like it when people hide the truth from you? When they know the truth? Hey, actually, this is really applicable. John and Gabriel, where are you at? They've been playing some pranks on me. And I think, I think I might have started to figure out one of the pranks. And John owned it up a little bit to me today. But I'm still super lost and have no idea how to figure it out. But they're pranking me. And one of those pranks is they've hidden. Oh, maybe you guys can help me with this. (laughs) They've hidden around the ridge, particularly multiple of them, I believe, in my office, little things that make cricket chirping noises. Have you guys heard these since you've been here? I spent like an hour today looking for them. Nothing, okay? I had the ladder. I wasn't going to admit this because it's kind of embarrassing, but I had the ladder in my office, everything, and I couldn't find it. But John owned up to it a little bit today. He was like, maybe we did that. (laughs) He's got a smile on his face back there. But anyway, so we don't like it when people hide the truth from us. We don't like it when people act like someone that they aren't. We don't like it when people are disingenuous or act fake around us. We want people to be real most of the time, right? Sometimes though, being real, being authentic, saying what needs to be said is uncomfortable. Sometimes saying what needs to be said is something really difficult for us to do. It makes people not like us. It makes people uncomfortable. And so sometimes being real is really hard for us to do, even though we say we value that as something. Tonight, I really want us to focus in on what it means for us to be real with God, okay? What does it mean for us to be real, authentic, vulnerable, transparent, genuine with God? And I wanna start here. In Genesis chapter 16, we find a story of one of the most influential characters in the Old Testament, and his name is Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. We're gonna talk about him uh, in a few weeks. We're gonna talk more specifically about Abraham, but we're just gonna find him in this one kind of snippet of his life right here in Genesis 16. We find Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and they're like really old in age at this point. And they really want to have children, but they don't have any children. And so Abraham figures out a way for him to have, to be able to have kids. And so what Abraham does is him and his wife kind of get together and they figure out, hey, Abraham, if you have a child with this other lady, her name is Hagar, then we will be able to have kids. In some ways, I believe this was Abraham's kind of impatience or distrust of God's plan and kind of took things his own way and decided to go this way. And so Sarah was in on it. Hagar ends up getting pregnant with Abraham's child, okay? All right, I know that's a little bit weird, but I needed to share that with you to kind of display like what's happening here. Sarah makes things so uncomfortable for Hagar in their home. She's so bitter at what's going on that she ends up forcing Hagar to leave and to go out into the wilderness. So Hagar leaves their home. She goes out into the middle of nowhere, into the desert, into the wilderness. And there she has this encounter with God, okay? 
maybe you like can think of moments in your own life where you feel like, man, this was a moment where I felt like the Lord's presence in my life. I had this encounter with him. I just knew God was there. Hagar has this moment, and this is what she says. She gives God a specific name in Genesis 16, 13. She says, she gave this name, she's talking about Hagar, to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. I have seen the one who sees me. This is, uh, in, in the Hebrew, it uses a very specific name for God, El Roy. I'm probably not saying that right, but that's how it's written uh, when we transcribe it over to English. But the God who sees me. We just sang about the same God, the God who is the same yesterday, today, forever. And the same God who visited Hagar when she sat at her absolute lowest place in life and saw her for all that she is, the God who noticed her, the God who saw her, the God who sees her, is the same God who sees you, is the same God who sees me, is the same God who cares for us and provides for us and notices us and sees us when everything about us, he knows us. And so when it comes to this concept, focus right here, focus at me. When it comes to this concept of letting God see us and know us, that we're real with God, he already knows. And God longs for that kind of relationship where we don't hide things from him that we should be authentic with God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down, that we should be authentic with God. He already knows who we are. And so when we think about being authentic, it means I'm gonna be who I am. I'm not gonna be disingenuous to myself. I'm not gonna be somebody, I'm not not gonna be fake. I'm gonna be authentic. I'm gonna bring all of me to God, to be honest with him. It also means that we should be vulnerable with God to let God see the sides of us and talk with him about the parts of us that we don't really talk to anybody else about. It's about feeling, it's it's kind of freeing to talk with him about those things, but it's this reality in which we can go to God with those parts of our lives and say, God, I'm really feeling this right now. I'm really struggling with this. God, here's some of my hopes and my dreams. And so I think it's important for us to be vulnerable with him, be transparent with him, and then to be genuine with him. Genuine and authentic are a little bit of the same word. You might feel like Alan is kind of the same. Authentic is more introspective and being genuine is more the the outside, extrospective. That's not a word, I just made that up. But it's more the exterior of how we portray ourselves to other people. To be genuine with God means that you bring him all of your baggage and all of your issues, but also all of your effort, all of your good desires and your energy. Being real with God doesn't just mean that you are bad and you're saying, God, here's how bad I am. But also, God, here's the sides of me that I think are good. So if I'm encouraging you to be authentic and vulnerable and and genuine with God, I want to give you some ways that Scripture teaches us how to do that, what that exactly looks like in our life. So I want you to do this. Up on the screen is going to be Psalm 55, 1 through 7. And this passage is a song or a prayer of David to God, okay? So this is kind of a prayer or a song. Uh, And so... Here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this, and I want you to think about how this looks like compared to your prayer life, okay? Psalm 55, it's up on the screen. Everybody look at the screen. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of my, what my enemy is saying, because the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in 
anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. Kind of sounds like Hagar a little bit. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Listen, I would imagine very few of us in this room have ever prayed a prayer that sounded similar to this. I think we often hide this side of ourselves from God. We say, God, I don't want to, I don't want to just come to you with like, oh my gosh, like everything in my life is falling apart and everything is bad and I'm struggling and I'm, I'm fearful and I'm worried. Like, I don't want to bring all that to God. I want to kind of go to God and maybe share with him a little bit, but like, I want God to kind of know like everything's going to be okay. And like, I just need him for like some little stuff. And yet David displays to us a prayer where he shares some of those deepest thoughts with God, those deepest emotions and feelings that David has in his life. He shares those with God and he even writes them down and puts them in a book so that we would be able to see what his prayer was like and so that the people of Israel and that Christians for centuries would go back to this and see this as a prayer that they can pray. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Share your deepest thoughts with God. David in this psalm says, my thoughts trouble me. I am distraught. I am in anguish. I feel like I could die. Horror has overwhelmed me. And in our minds, we often have those difficult thoughts and ideas floating around. There may be nights where you're like laying in bed and yet you're thinking about all of these things in your mind. You're, you're up wondering and worried. There may be moments where you're struggling with the difficult reality of life. Maybe it's a failing grade. Maybe it's getting cut from the, the team that you were trying out for. Maybe it's the end to a relationship or conflict that you have with your parents. And you're like, I don't even know who I can talk to right now. And yet God is there wanting us to have that conversation with him. I'm not saying don't talk to anybody else about it, but we often skip over the aspect that, hey, God wants to hear from us, that we should let God be the first person that we go to to share those deepest thoughts in our life. The things that we wouldn't really tell anybody else or don't really want to talk to anybody else about them, we should talk to God. I want to encourage you. If like a thought is coming to your mind now or like the pat, you're like thinking through things and I've never talked to God about that. Like spend time tonight, spend time talking to God about those things. God is not afraid of your thoughts. God is not concerned. He's not like, oh my, oh my goodness, that's so big. I don't know how I could, how I could deal with that. No, God's like, I've heard, I've heard that before. I understand where you're coming from. Jesus is like, I've felt some of those things before. And so we can take those things to God because he's not intimidated by our anger or our frustration or our questions. And I think when those thoughts in our minds become more than just thoughts and feelings, when they become like reality in our life, then we can often get frustrated. And I wanna encourage you, don't just share the thoughts with God, but when those things become frustrations in your life, those things become hangups, those things become things that you deal with every week, every month, every year, continually take those frustrations to God, share those frustrations with God. David in this Psalm says, my enemies are winning against me. Something that David had experienced before too. I am suffering. I wish I could just flee. I wish I could get out of here. I want to get out of this storm. I think life can feel like that at times where it's not just thoughts in our mind, but it's actually this reality that we are dealing with. And God wants us in those moments to go to him and to share with him how frustrated we are. 
Well, my kids were really little. How many of you have like siblings that are like one years old? All right, so you, you, may, re- you may realize some of this, all right? Maybe if you, if you don't have siblings that old now, maybe you, you've seen a one-year-old recently. My kids were like one. They didn't talk like full sentences. They said like a couple words. And, you know, they were starting to like walk around. But they're little. And I realized with my kids that when they were frustrated about something, they would cry. When they needed, when they wanted to eat something to eat, they would cry. When they needed to have their diaper changed, they would cry. When they were tired, they would cry. When they were too awake, they would cry. Like everything was a cry. But as a dad, I learned to realize which cries meant which things. Like if I heard heard Ariel or Bella, my daughters, if I heard them crying, I'd be like, oh man, she is just tired. Like she is just worn out. Oh man, that is a hungry cry. Like she's hangry right now. Like I know what that is. And sometimes when, it's, when it comes to our talking with God, we can get so frustrated that you're like, Alan, I don't even know what I would say to God right now. I don't even know how I would explain this. I don't even know how I would share the feelings or the doubts or the thoughts in my mind. We can just go to him and cry out to him. And God knows our cry. He knows us. He sees us. He understands us. And I don't want us to simply think of like, the whole talk tonight as something about sharing those hard, difficult moments with God. I think many times those are the things that we hide from God. We don't always take him all of everything in our life. But I also want to encourage you to take that next step and to share those good moments with the Lord. One thing that I really want to encourage you, even as a middle schooler, to do this regularly is to share your hopes and dreams with God. When there's something in your life that you're like, God, I really hope that this would happen in my life. God, I have a dream that like this would come true in my life one day. I want you to share those things with God, but not in a way where you go to God and you say, God, you're gonna help me make the team. God, you're gonna do this in my life. God, I'm kind of telling you that this is where my future is going to be. But we kind of go to God, open arms and say, God, I really like sports and I really wanna make this team. And God, if that's what you want me to do, make that happen in my life. That's my dream. That's my hope. God, these are things that I want to see come true in my life. These are the, the, the things that I, I want to hold open-handed with you. Look at what the, the word teaches us about this kind of conversation with God. In Proverbs 16, it says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. In verse nine, it says, the heart of man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. Listen, if you want your hopes and dreams to come true, you need to submit those to God and say, God, here's what I hope for the future and I'm submitting it to you. And if you've got other plans, I'm with you. But I want you to know, Lord, this is what I'm hoping for, for the future. And then James in chapter four, he also gives some instruction specifically to the early church about what this ought to look like, because I think we can get this a little bit twisted. He says this in verse 13 of James chapter four. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow holds. What is your life? For you are a what? A mist. What does it say? You are a, everybody say, you are a a mist, right? A mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead of going to God and demanding, this is what I'm gonna do, We go to God and we say, God, if you will, if this is your desire, if this is your plan, 
then I will live and I will do this or that. As it is, we boast in our arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Man, your hopes and your dreams, take those to God open-handed and say, Lord, this is what I'm longing for. This is what I hope for. This is my dream about life. And if this is what you want, Lord, establish that in my life. Your plans will be established. And then when those hopes and dreams come true and the Lord establishes those things, we need to remember to go to him and share those successes with him. Listen, when something good happens in your life, like I've talked with a few of you, like, hey, did you get anything cool for Christmas? You know, some of you recently talked about how you, you made a, a team that's coming up in this upcoming season, like all those things in our life. When something good and exciting happens in our life, is God the first person we go to and say, Lord, thank you for giving me this skill. Lord, thank you for making this plan unfold in my life. Lord, thank you for your blessings. We need to make sure that God is also the one that we share our successes with, that we go to him and say, thank you, Lord, and celebrate with him all the things that he is doing in our life. So it is the good, the celebrations, the, the hopes and dreams, but it's also those like difficult thoughts, those hard feelings that you have uh, in those moments where you're really frustrated. We share all of those things with God because he is the God who sees me, who sees you, who sees each and every one of us. I think many of you in this room have hidden parts of your life from God for a long time. You're like, Alan, I'm 13 years old. How long? Maybe 13 years. Maybe you've never shared with God some parts of your lives. You've never shared with him those frustrating feelings that you have. You never share with him those, those deepest thoughts that you have or those hopes and those dreams. You've hid from him. You've hid from God those uncomfortable thoughts. You've hid from God those moments that you're maybe willing to share with your best friend, but not with God. And I think God wants us to be honest and vulnerable and authentic with him. I think some of us in the room see God as someone who's like looking down on us at all of our mess, at all of our baggage. And we're saying, I can't let God know about this too. Because like, this is so bad. And God already knows all the bad stuff. And like, if I share with this and like, this is more bad stuff. And God already knows all the bad stuff. And oh my goodness, this is so bad. Like everything is so bad. And the truth is God does see those things. He does see the difficulties, the problems, the sin, the hangups that we have. And he knows those things. And that's why he sent Christ. That's why Jesus was put in the plan so that we could have a restored relationship with God where, where those things have been paid for, where those things have been dealt with. And when we are in Christ, when we are saved, when we have placed our faith in the forgiveness of our sins through Christ, I believe that God looks on us with mercy and with grace and wants us to share our dreams and our hopes with him as he leads us. And he wants us in those moments to spend joyous time of success with him as well. So tonight in your groups, I want you to dig into that a little bit more. What is this kind of process of being real, of sharing these things with God? What should that look like? What ought that look like in our life? But also, how can we practice being real with God? I want you to walk away tonight, hopefully in your groups, walk away tonight with one thing that you can do this week to be real with God. Maybe it is sharing those, those uh, deepest feelings. Maybe it is sharing those frustrations. Maybe it's just talking about your hopes and your dreams or remembering to give him thanks for the successes in your life. That's my goal for you is to walk away tonight with one way to be real with God this week. Let me take a minute to pray and then I'm gonna send you out to your groups. Lord, thank you. You are so good. You are so holy and perfect and righteous. 
And yet you've made a way for us to be in relationship with you through Christ. And so Lord, we thank you for that pathway that you have established on our behalf so that we can be with you, so that we can be in Christ. And so today, we want to be people who do communicate well with you, who are real with you, who are authentic and vulnerable with you. And so Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us through the power of your spirit, help us each to walk away tonight being more authentic and more vulnerable with you than we've ever been before and help that to come true in the days to come that we would practice this. We pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen.